Morning. The first time I saw my friend Vince light himself on fire, it was an accident. I heard screaming down the hallway in the office where we worked. I came running. His whole arm was engulfed in flames. He was screaming. You know how when people scream and they get that Scooby-Doo look on their face, you know, like their face is elongated? Vince is an amateur music, uh, magician, heavy emphasis on the amateur, and he used this little trick that he later showed me successfully involving flash paper. Have you ever used flash paper? It's a, it's a real treat. It goes up quick. It burns fast. And we've given each of you a piece of flash paper today. Um, if you're a smoker, I don't suggest you roll your own. Um, and and we, don't, we don't want you to light it while you're in the auditorium, because, of course, that, that could be a bit tricky. But you've got a pen under your seat and, and some flash paper. And uh, the, the, the actual chemical compound is called uh, nitrocellulose. It's what we use. Uh, it's used in, in spirits. It's used in photography. It's used to make ping pong balls. And, and it's, it's a, a fast-burning fire starter. But, but that's all it's good for. I mean, you get it, you use it, and one second later, it's gone. Whew, praise Jesus, hallelujah. Yeah, that, that got hotter than I wanted it to right there. <laughs> so I want to use flash paper just momentarily. I, I want you to have that image in your mind of something that lights up fast and goes away. I, I want you to consider that as a metaphor for motivation. Because we all have things that motivate us. I mean, we have base motivations, sex, money, power, motivations that we prefer to lie about, don't really want other people knowing we care about those things. But then we, we, have, we have good motivations, too. I mean, the, the things that are right at the core of who we are, I mean, things like the desire for affirmation or achievement. We, we want to be acknowledged and rewarded for our efforts. Uh, I, I am deeply motivated by challenge, by projects and problem solving. Some people are motivated simply by the desire to, to be further developed. And all of those things are good. And this is what leads so many Christian people sideways, is we forget that sometimes the things that, that motivate us, that they don't need to be vilified in order for us to be cautious about them. And we do need to be cautious about our motivations, not because they're bad, but because they just don't last. They're gone. And, and a lot of times, we get the thing that we've been working for, and instead of feeling gratified, we feel like we got nothing left like it all went up in smoke. We got nothing to hold on to. So the high school grad is really excited. Man, I just walked the aisle, I've got my high school diploma, and it gets me, well, not as much as you hoped. And the college grad, oh man, you finish your BA and you think, okay, now I'm ready to not have a job. I mean, these are real issues, and it's not that those things are bad, we just have to acknowledge that there's certain things that only God can provide and when we look to something else to supply what only God can provide, we're left frustrated and disappointed, confused often. And so then there's these two equal and opposite mistakes that people make. They think, well, then it's not worth trying to do anything. We become nihilistic. And of course, that's not helpful. You can't build a great family. You can't build a great business. You can't be happy. You can't thrive. You can't be optimized. You can't have a life worth living if nothing matters. Or we make the other mistake, and we vilify those things. And we think, well, achievement is bad, you know, because that's a, a counterfeit motivation. It's not a counterfeit motivation. It's a subservient motivation. It's important. You just got to have it in the right order. 
Oh, well, the need for affirmation. Man, you, you shouldn't need that. That's the, that's the fear of man. Whoa, relax. Affirmation is healthy. It's good. We just got to have it in the right order. And we can't look to these temporary fuels to sustain us independent of any input from God. Now, this might seem like a, a really roundabout way of getting into the Old Testament because that's what we're doing today. We're talking about the, the final episode in the, in the canonical Old Testament today. But, but this is really at the core of what's happening in the books of Ezra, Nehemiah, and the remarkable story of Esther. The people of God want something. And then when they get it, it's disappointing. Now, if you want to understand the Old Testament, you have to understand the connection between God's people and the land. God calls out Abraham, and he gives him a promised land. Abraham lives there for a while, and then he leaves. Then the people are made slaves. When they escape from Egypt, they go to the land. They're afraid to take the land. God punishes them for it. They finally get the courage to assume ownership of the land that he gave them a long time ago. They live in the land, then they lose the land. Then they regain the land, then they lose the land. Over and over and over again. And the land throughout the Old Testament is a picture of the people's relationship with God. So when the people abandon the land, it's because they've abandoned God. When the people are brought back into the land, it's because God is rewarding them for their faithful covenantal observation with him. There's this connection. Well, here's the thing. Over and over and over again throughout the Old Testament, when they're not in the land, all they want to do is get back to the promised land. And then the last time that they go home, again, in the books of Esther, Ezra, and Nehemiah, they go back home and they see that the land isn't what it used to be. It's wrecked. It's ruined. It's burned down. It's a disappointment. It's a frustration. And this thing, I mean, the thing that totally captured their imagination, the only thing that mattered for their faith, the only thing that mattered for their community, the only thing that gave them a sense of identity, once they, once they get it, they realize they got nothing. Because they were motivated by something that really only God himself can provide. And instead of this being the culmination of their lives and their life work, they realized they just now had to find something new to fuel them. And I think you and I can relate, man. We have to constantly recognize that the things that fuel us are like flash paper. Our achievements, our accomplishments, our relationships, even our friendships, even our marriages. These things are all fantastic, but they don't do what only God can do. You get friendships, really great friendships, and then you're still lonely, and you wonder, why don't my friendships fix the problem of my loneliness? Because only God can heal your loneliness. You get married, and yet you don't feel loved. Why? Is there something wrong with your spouse? Is there something wrong with your marriage? No, you're looking to your marriage to give you something only God can supply. Now, in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, all the people are gathered together with Nehemiah, who's sort of the political leader, 
and Ezra, who's sort of the spiritual leader, and they begin reading the law in the ruins of Jerusalem, and everyone starts crying. They're so sad, and the leaders panic, which I gotta be honest, if you show up on a Sunday morning, and I say, good morning, everybody, and then you all start crying, I'm gonna be like, Ben, Kelly, we need to have a sidebar here. I don't know what's going on. We need to, we need to put a stop to this right now. That's the kind of panic that they're having when they're having 800,000 people mourning because they're disappointed about what they get. So here's how the leaders redirect them. This day is holy to the Lord, says Ezra. So don't mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to the Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. What a great piece of the Bible. They're saying don't look at your circumstances, the busted up city, the broken down families, the fact that you've been spiritually disobedient Don't focus on all your sinfulness. Don't focus on all your shortcomings. Don't focus on everything that you lack. Focus on God. Let God refill you. Let him refuel you. And we get this promise all throughout the scriptures, man. We get it in Ephesians. We get it in Philippians. Jesus himself refers to him as the water of life. And all our other motivations flame out. And what we've got to do is draw deeply on the Spirit of God. There's three ways that you do that. You do that, you, you, you get your fuel, your constant source of ever-renewable energy from God by paying attention, by asking God, Lord, what, what are you saying to me right now? But by being aware of, of the nudges and the promptings and the nuances of the Holy Spirit so, so that when you're coming close to, to those, those old motivations, which are, again, still good, but you go, oh, man, maybe I'm... Maybe I'm looking for too much from this friendship. Oh, maybe I'm looking for too much from this a bachelor's degree in English. <clears throat> right? Then you feel God nudging you about that, and you say, okay, Lord, help me get recentered so what I'm focused on is you so that I can enjoy these things appropriately so I can eat, eat the fat portions and, and drink the sweet wine so I can enjoy what I've got so I can share it with other people. But I know ultimately if, if I'm going to be strong... It's got to come from you. The joy of the Lord is your strength, not, not the, the fat food and the sweet wine. That won't replenish you. Only God is going to do that. So the first thing you do is, is pay attention. And, and then the second thing that you got to do is you got to renew your desire for God. Now my, my, my favorite prayer, uh, you know, in the Bible, out of the Bible, anywhere, is by a fellow named Thomas Burton who says, Lord, I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope to have that desire in all I do. Man, what a great prayer. Because I I don't know about you, but a a lot of times I go, man, I just don't feel like I love God as much as I'm supposed to. And I don't know how to crank up the knob to love God more. I mean, do do, do you? Amen, great. Talk to me later. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we, we realize, like, Lord, the, the things that I have inside me to give back to you are insufficient for what you deserve. And I recognize that, but I don't know how to fix it. So all I'm left with is that, that this feeling I have that I ought to be able to do more, that I ought to be able to show more, just that feeling ought, ought to make you happy. And it does. It does. I want to want to love you more. 
Great, that counts. This is how we get filled increasingly with the Spirit. This is how we get our lives in the appropriate relationship so that our achievements are not dismissed or belittled, but sanctified. So that our relationships are not dismissed or belittled, but but sanctified. So now, while I'm thinking about this, you're probably thinking about the things that motivate you. This is why we gave you the flash paper. This is why there's a pen under your chair. Write, Write it down. Now, it could be really specific. You might say, I'm motivated by wanting to please my dad. Well, great. You could say, I'm motivated by wanting to look holy in the eyes of my peers. Great. Whatever it is, be honest with yourself and write it down. And the reason you're writing it down on this flash paper is so that at some point you can burn it up and recognize that those things aren't going to fuel you for long. They'll burn up quick. They're sort of exciting. They help you get started. But in the end, you'll be left with nothing if you're looking for too much from those motivations. So again, we are refilled constantly by God's Holy Spirit when we pay attention, when we desire to desire more, and then finally by by submission. Meaning there's always a part of our spiritual development. There's always a part of, of our renewing maturation in God's spirit when we just say, okay, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And that's tricky. It requires that we recognize a couple of really important things. First, it requires we recognize that that God is good. I mean, for me to say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done, I mean, you're not gonna do something bad to me. You're not gonna punish me. You're not gonna inflict me. You're not not gonna abuse me. I gotta be able to say, Lord, you're, you're good. And then it also requires, if I'm going to put his will ahead of my will, it also requires that i got to know that he's capable of looking after me. Capable of optimizing my life, my circumstances, my relationships. i got to know that he's, that he's strong. And then i got to know that he's here. That he's not off, you know, making other galaxies or something or focused exclusively on the problems in the Middle East, I, I got to know that he cares about my little problems in Jackson, Michigan. That the things that matter to me matter to him. And so rather than as, you know, our, our sort of habitual way of ending a sermon is for me to pray and for you to, you know, check your email, I want to do it a little different today, okay? I, I, want, I want you to, to stand up with me and I want you to say we're just going to sort of pray corporately and acknowledge, and we're just gonna repeat, Lord, you're good, you're strong, and you're here. And by doing this, what we're acknowledging is that the things that fuel us, even when they're good, don't last. And in order for us to enjoy them appropriately, There has to be something more. There has to be God. And we have to be able to attend to God's spirit. We have to desire God's spirit. And we have to submit to God's spirit, which we can do, again, because, Lord, you're good. You're strong. And you're here. Stand up with me and let's just say that again. Lord, you're good. You're strong. And you're here. You're good.
you're strong, and you're here. Now, you take the piece of paper that you have in your hand, and if you want today this little reminder, and that's all it is, just a reminder that these things won't last, then, then I'll burn it up for you. I'll burn it so that nothing bad happens to you. What a great memory you're going to have if something weird happens to me. Well, you can take it home for when you need the reminder later, or you can burn it up now. But the point is just to acknowledge that our achievements, they don't last. That our ambitions, they don't last. That our affirmations, they don't last. We need God to create an umbrella around them, to sanctify them, and, and to make them an offering, which is exactly what Ezra and Nehemiah did. They brought all the people together, and they consecrated the food and the drink and the singing as an offering to the Lord. So if that's you, man, just pass them down to the center aisle, and let me burn them up. And I'll walk through. It's, it feels a bit like a magic trick, I know. Ha, 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 ha.